You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers at number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today on the show, we're going to talk Hey, guess what? More NFL draft. And uh, I got a really interesting question that we're going to get into a little bit later. I want to start with something Brian Gutekind said, because we are going to hang on seemingly every word from someone like Brian Gutekind when he gives an interview, precisely because we're trying to gather intel. We're trying to read body language and parse words and say, okay, he said this, so that means this. And last year we did it with receivers. And he talked about how good the class was. And we did a whole episode about how, you know, he said they weren't going to wait around. We thought that might mean they would trade up for a receiver. And guess what? Um, I don't know if you know this. They didn't draft a receiver last year in what was supposedly a historically deep receiver class. Now, their explanation was it. We've been over it a million times was that after this certain group of guys They felt like the players that they were getting would not be significantly better than the guys that were currently on the team. And and actually, if you go back and look at it, they were pretty much right about that. Now, you could argue that some of the guys that were out there would have been better on Green Bay, uh, but that's really not the point here. What he said to Larry McCarron was that the draft is particularly deep at corner and offensive tackle. And I think saying two positions is important here precisely because last year, you know, we knew how deep the receiver class was. And so the cynical perspective, the cynical fan is going to say, okay, corner and offensive tackle mean that they're going to take a running back and a, or a defensive lineman or something like that. I mean, that's the, the cynical take, but let's just, let's just be serious about it for a second. Right? So, Green Bay does not take receivers and linebackers in the first round. It seems pretty unlikely that they would buck that trend now. They're not going to take a quarterback. Again, I know this what the cynical fan is going to say, but if we're being serious, they're not going to take a quarterback. And it doesn't seem like there's a defensive lineman, an interior defender, who is going to be there at 29, who Green Bay would take. I think I think Christian Barmore is going to end up going in the first round, and I actually think he's going to end up going higher than, than 29, precisely because it's such a shallow draft at that position that guys like Barmore are going to get pushed up. I think Davion Nixon is going to get pushed up. Uh, Ali McNeil is going to get pushed up, just because there are so few of those types of guys. So unless the Packers surprise with an out-of-left-field defensive lineman pick, which, let's be honest, they've done before, um, then, you know, 
you're you're starting to run out of positions that they could use the 29th pick on. If it's not going to be a corner, it's not going to be a tackle. They don't take linebackers. They don't take receivers. They're not going to take a quarterback. There there isn't a tight end worth taking at 29. And even if there were, they probably wouldn't they wouldn't draft him. So all of a sudden, you're starting to run out of positions. I mean, there's only so many spots now. Okay, Landon Dickerson from Alabama, interior offensive lineman. They could go that route. But Elton Jenkins was an outlier in their draft process. They rarely, rarely, rarely take guys who are interior offensive linemen, and they even more rarely take them in the top 100. Usually, if they're taking interior offensive linemen, it's on day three, fifth, sixth, seventh round, as they did last year, Steven Sapanek, Jake Hansen, et cetera, et cetera. It would be pretty out of the ordinary for them to take someone like Landon Dickerson or, you know, let's say an Alex Leatherwood or a Sam Cosme if they think those guys are guards, not tackles. Now, they may think they're tackles instead of guards, but they're probably not going to take an interior offensive lineman. So that leaves really three positions, corner, tackle, safety. I mean, that's it. So I know we're, we've been trying to game this out, you know, eight ways till Sunday, but they really, if they're not going to take a corner, not going to take an offensive tackle at the, at the top, safety, and then and then edge rusher. And we can't forget about that because Preston Smith is under contract just this season. Void years after that, he's not going to be on the roster. Zadarius Smith is owed a lot of money in 2022. He is either going to be reworked or extended or, or might, might not be on the team. Might not be on the team. Now, that would be surprising. He has been a revelation as a free agent, one of the best free agent signings of the last five years, maybe longer, and one of the best free agent signings in, in Packers history has, has changed this team in, in, a, in a similar way to the way Charles Woodson did. You know, uh, not he, he's not the quality of player. I mean, Charles Woodson is one of the best defensive players ever. But Zedarius Smith has been one of the best defensive players in the league over the last two seasons in Green Bay. Could they take a pass rusher? Sure, but it's a bad edge class. It's it's just not a very good edge class. So we expect guys like Greg Rousseau, Jalen Phillips, Aziz Ojolari, they're probably going to go after that. I mean, it's hard to get excited about some of these other guys. Now, there are some athletes that maybe you could look at. Joe Tryon from Washington is there. Carlos Basham, but he's an older prospect. It would really take them, I think, bucking some of their trends to go that direction. So that brings us back to cornerback, offensive tackle, safety. And let's not forget safety. We have the Locked On Podcast Network draft coming up um, and... I made a selection for the Packers that was not a cornerback or an offensive tackle. I don't want to spoil it, uh, but not a receiver either. And I think it was a good pick that helps this coverage unit. If you could get someone like Trayvon Merrick, I'm not going to say that's who I picked, but I'm not going to say that's not who I picked, could cover in the slot. Green Bay has spent draft capital on safeties in the past. They're going to play a ton of three safety looks. That is the guy... That if you're not going to take a corner or an offensive tackle at 29, that you would take or you trade down or you trade up. You know, we did the trade up show. We did the trade down show. I just, it, it, it is very hard for me to believe. 
at this juncture of the the pre-draft process, when we look at Green Bay at 29, I, I really think we are looking at corner, tackle, and maybe, maybe, maybe they buck the trend and get a receiver. I could see that being the move in this draft, given some of the players. And I do think it's it is useful insight from Brian Gutekunst to say corner tackle are deep because the MO from Ted Thompson in a lot of cases in deep drafts, for example, 2014 deep receiver draft. Guess what? Second round pick on Devontae Adams. Now, the difference in that case is they had Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and an already elite offense with a really good offensive line and not very many holes on that roster. They had a safety hole. They filled it with with HaHa Clinton Dix. To me, it's more likely that you get that corner in the first round and then in the second, you, you take your tackle and say, okay, it was, there was depth at tackle. Then in the third, you can get your corner. But we're all over the place on these evaluations. Matt Miller, formerly Bleacher Report, now doing some, some pre-draft work for ESPN, who's been on this podcast. He said in a report yesterday, he's having trouble finding teams who have first or second round grades on Ifatu Melifanmu, which I find gobsmacking. There's just no way. And I, I tweeted it out. And I had Bills fans and Colts fans and Packers fans going, I hope he falls then. Let's get him at 62. And, you know, if you could get Tevin Jenkins or Dylan Radins and Melifonwu in the second round, you're, you're having a great draft. So there is that depth there. For me, you know, we talked about this the other day when we said put together the roadmap. Not only does it make sense for corner or offensive tackle to be the first pick from a historical perspective, from a hit rate perspective, but I think even with the depth in the draft, obviously you can't take two unless you trade up to get two first round picks. To me, it's got to be one of those guys. So you're only going to play the depth on one side. I think the depth of tackle is easier to manipulate. And you probably don't need that guy to start right away. Whereas at corner, you probably do want him to come in and compete at least to start right away. You know, the kind of thing is you could take a boundary corner. And if he's really playing well, that you could slide Jair Alexander more into that slot role. You know, there are a lot of different ways that you can manipulate this. Whereas at at offensive line, you know, if you're using a first round pick on an offensive lineman, you want them to play right away. You want that first round pick to play. They don't have to be great, but you want them to play relatively early unless it's a quarterback. But you need the corner now. You need the corner now. You might not need the offensive tackle this year. So that's why I think it just makes sense to wait. Unless unless there's a guy at the top of the draft that you just love. If Tevin Jenkins is there, really, really good football player. If they really like Dylan Radins, if they really like Sam Cosme, if they really like Alex Leatherwood, they fit the athletic profile. And as I've said, if you're going to get an offensive tackle, get one early. Those are, are generally where the best players are. To me, it just makes the most sense to go corner, even with the depth in the class, because that depth runs out sooner to me at corner than it does at offensive tackle. And Green Bay can feel okay that at at 62, at 92, they could get someone that they could develop into a really good player down the line. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They've got even more delicious flavors now. We just got a box of the marshmallow churro, which has got the chocolate and the cinnamon. But because it's the marshmallow, it's got that delicious center where it's just fluffy and light. And it's like a three musketeers almost, but a little more chew. It's it's really it's really fantastic. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They taste incredible, yet low sugar, high protein, high fiber, low calorie. They're everything you could want in a food, honestly. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, we talk about Jamal Murray's devastating injury for the Denver Nuggets, boycotts at voluntary minicamps in the NFL? And will the play-in tournament really affect tanking? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Got this interesting voicemail that I want to play for you and then to set up the topic. Hello, Peter. Just had a question. What you think would be the all Aaron Rodgers draft for this year's draft. You know, Stephen A and everyone in the media thinks he's on his way out, which is just dumb, but just wanted to know out of all the players that we could get, what would be the ones that you think would just be perfect for Aaron Rodgers as far as keeping him as happy as possible? Just curious. Thanks. I like this question, and I like this question not because I think a team ought to be beholden to its star players or that they should let Aaron Rodgers play GM or that they should, frankly, base who they select based on the happiness levels of Aaron Rodgers. I also think it's overstating it to say that it that it matters that much to Rodgers what the position is. Yeah, last year he thought they were going to take a receiver, probably because Brian Gutekind's gave every indication that that's what they wanted to do. And I still believe that they did want to do that. They just didn't feel like they were in a good position to do it, whether or not you agree. um, And and I don't, by the way. uh, But whether or not you agree with, with that strategy is beside the point. That was that was the position that they felt like they were in. The intuitive answer here is to say some sort of receiver, right? Rashad Bateman is the obvious one. As I said on the show yesterday, I think he is the easiest projection for 2021 success. You look at him, you go, okay, I know exactly what he can be, and I know what he can be in this offense. I think Elijah Moore, if the Packers were going to take someone like that, he is small, 5'9 and change, 178 at his pro day, but ran in the four threes, 93rd percentile agilities, hits all the statistical thresholds that you want, and on tape, he is just an MFer. He is always open. He is creative after the catch. He gave J.C. Horn that work against South Carolina. He he beat South Carolina so bad from the slot that they put J.C. Horn, who is normally a boundary corner, on him, and, and he beat Horn a couple times. He's a really good football player, and I know exactly what he would look like in Green Bay. We, we've seen a lot of it. Uh, he wore number 18, and Moore is even a better athlete. You could line, up, line him up on the backfield, 
jet sweep, slot, screen stuff. He can do a lot of that underneath stuff. Plus, you can run him on double moves, just crosser, crossers on mesh. I think, I think receivers in this offense can come in and help you faster than in the Mike McCarthy offense because it's less about timing. It's less about, okay, you need to be exactly in this place after one and a half seconds or you're not getting the ball. It's just not as timing-based an offense. Now, you still need to know where to be. You still need to know what routes to run. You still need to know what the adjustments are. Aaron Rodgers is not going to trust you if you don't know where to be. But you don't have to be as perfect. You don't have to be as nuanced as a route runner. A lot of it is about creating space for you, about making the receiver's job easier and the quarterback's job easier. So a rookie, I think, could come in a little bit easier. And we haven't seen it because we have they haven't had a rookie receiver in the Matt LaFleur era come in and, and get an opportunity, really. Not a real opportunity, not a real, you know, a, an actual guy who could be a part of a, a three-man receiver group. Someone like Elijah Moore, someone like Rondell Moore, someone who can just, you can get the ball out and go. But Rashad Bateman can actually run routes. He's the most traditional receiver that, that they could get and could be ready to go. Someone like Terrace Marshall, I think, would need a little bit more seasoning. They might not be ready to go this year to help Aaron Rodgers. And that's the thing about this. I think Rodgers is smart enough to know that the best pick the Packers can make to help Aaron Rodgers is a good player. They just need good players. And and the fact that they whiffed on an entire draft in 2015, it wasn't that it was the specific positions that they whiffed on. It was that they whiffed. You just need to continue to add contributors Guys who are not net negatives. Guys who can be a part of your plan week in and week out. You don't need superstars at every spot. Green Bay has enough superstars. I mean, I I know that's hard for a lot of you to believe. They have enough superstar talent. Between David Bakhtiari and Devontae Adams and Jair Alexander, Elton Jenkins is becoming a star player. Darnell Savage is becoming a star player. Zadarius Smith is a star These are high-impact players. Adrian Amos was one of the best defensive players in football the last eight, ten weeks of the year last year. They have the high-level talent. What they need is to shore up some of these other spots, that third receiver spot, that swing tackle spot, that third safety spot. And then, you know, you, you need long-term options at some of these places. You need a long-term right tackle. You got to figure that out. You need someone who can be your your more long-term wide receiver, too. It, it sounds like we have multiple reports, local and national, that say the Devontae Adams deal is going to get done here soon and soon. Um, so it's not like they have to worry about a number one receiver. This team just needs some bodies. Just need, a, you know, the, the Bucks came in last year, and a lot has been made about, how ready that team was to compete in the draft that they had and going all in and all that nonsense. They didn't go all in. They addressed two needs at the top of the draft. They hit on those players. They hit. If they take Andrew Thomas instead of Tristan Wirfs and they take, I don't know, pick a different safety instead of Anton Winfield, they probably don't win the Super Bowl. They probably don't win the Super Bowl. They got pretty lucky that those two guys hit. But that was this was a team that was really good. 
The defense was really good. The offense was really good. They got better quarterback play, and and they got some good breaks. Green Bay doesn't need to draft Tristan Wirfs, who goes first-team all-pro at right tackle. And and actually, the Bucs didn't either. They needed Tristan Wirfs to be good. Fine. They needed him to be not a, not a liability. And he was much better than that. They needed Anton Winfield to be not a liability. And he was much better than that. If Green Bay can draft a player with its first and second picks or just get two or three guys from this draft who can come in and contribute, can play a role. That's all you really need. You get a, you get a corner who can come in and play some. You get a, an offensive playmaker who can come in and play some. You get an offensive tackle who can come in and play some. You get a safety who can come in and play some. And you don't need all four of those. You need like two of those. Maybe three. If they're all you know part-time guys, rotational guys, you may, you might need three or four. If you can get one good player in a draft, you're doing well. You know, one good player, two you know solid rotational kind of guys, and a, and a core special teamer in a given draft. That's a good draft. So all this is to say, Aaron Rodgers has been in the league long enough to know that it doesn't have to be a receiver. That, that makes the team better. It could be. It could be. And it might be the case that the, the player who could come in and, and maximally improve this team is a receiver. I don't think that's out of the question. I don't think that's a weird uh, eventuality to come to. What the Packers need is, is another impact player somewhere, or they need a, a group of players to create an impact by being solid rotational guys. You want to eliminate the, the weaknesses. So you've got a boundary corner. That's a weakness. Kevin King's play has been a weakness. Can you turn that not into a strength, into not a weakness? Green Bay does not have a swing tackle that they trust. Could it be Yash Nijman? It could be. It could be the Yoshiera. We could be playing Mario Kart. Could he do it? Maybe. But you get that swing tackle, all of a sudden, you feel a lot better about your depth. Could they get a nice third safety in the draft? Just to come in so Will Redmond doesn't have to play. Guess what? Could have changed their season. If they'd done it last year, if they had someone else on the field... He catches that interception at the end of the first half and you don't have the Kevin King touchdown. And and maybe you go to the Super Bowl and maybe you win it. Those are the differences. I mean, both safeties for Tampa Bay got hurt in the, in the NFC Championship game and Green Bay t- couldn't take advantage because the guys that that stepped into play were, were good enough. It's not just the main frontline players. It's the players on the margins too. And, and you need them to help you win a Super Bowl. You need the Brandon Chillers the Eric Waldens, and and yes, the Jarrett Bushes. The Packers do not win that Super Bowl against the Steelers without Jarrett Bush, who had to play real snaps in the second half because Charles Woodson broke his collarbone. That, that, that stuff is real. And you need to get healthy. You need to get lucky with health to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's just part of the deal. And and Green Bay, the fact that in 2010 they were able to win one without being healthy is pretty remarkable. I know I'm copping out a little bit on this answer, but I, I think it's it is true. It is it is the case that Rodgers gets that. He wants the pick to be good. He wants it to be not Jordan Love. 
who is not going to see the field. And I think even someone like A.J. Dillon probably, it, it does not thrill Aaron Rodgers from last year in, insofar as he knew A.J. Dillon was not going to play. If Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams stay healthy, he's not going to play. And he didn't play that much. Now, those guys stayed remarkably healthy, and A.J. Dillon didn't. He got COVID. You know, you, you don't plan for that eventuality, but it was certainly possible, and you knew that when it happened. I, it, I think he wants guys that, that can help the team win now. And that's the thing that, that is, is that, and to, to players, that's the thing. We want to win now. I want to win this year. I don't want to go through another year where I can't win a Super Bowl. That's what they care about. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, they're all in full swing. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV, all with real time odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to get a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. All because. You're a listener. You get a you get a deposit bonus. Casinos, sports books, they are not generally in the business of just giving away money, but they're going to give away money. Ready? Promo code locked on. When you sign up and put in your first deposit, they will match it up to 50% with the promo code locked on because Bet Online is your online sports book experts. We got news yesterday. Uh, multiple teams announced that they were going to be boycotting the voluntary mini camps that are kind of coming up here, off-season work, et cetera. And we, and we don't know how long that's going to last. The NFL is not going to mandate vaccines, although certainly, you know, they're they're making it clear, hey, if, if people get vaccinated, we can relax the protocols. We'll see. Um, no, no sports league has yet mandated the vaccine. I, we haven't heard really that that athletes are getting vaccinated in in great numbers, uh, and, I, and I, I honestly don't know why that is. If there is some hesitancy, there has been um, efforts made in the NBA to try and get players to understand that these are safe. Um, the NFL is the same thing. Russell Wilson is working on a a project to to help educate. Um, not just NFL players, but everyone on on the safety of these vaccines to try and get to a back to a return to normalcy. There is a practical implication here as well because you, you have players like Jordan Love, like Josiah DeGuar, who's coming off injury, like AJ Dillon. These young players, you want to get them. They need this offseason work, and they need to be in the facility. They need to be working with the trainers on their bodies. They need to be around their teammates, soaking up knowledge, soaking up experience. They're not getting that. That sucks. And the reason that that they're boycotting is really to send a message to prove a point um, that, that they don't feel like there's a, a sufficient plan again. Not really sure. Um, there was a plan last year. Not sure why that plan is suddenly insufficient. But I understand the players saying, look, we don't we don't want to do this. And we just don't don't think it makes sense to do it, so we're not going to do it. People can work out from home. Everyone else is doing it. For the Packers, there are there are other practical implications in that they lead the league in workout bonuses, and so we haven't heard yet if um, they if, if the players there and the players in Denver, for example, they are boycotting in Moss. 
So if you know, if you look at someone like Kevin King, he's got a workout bonus in his contract, his new deal. Zedaria Smith has a workout bonus. These guys have workout bonuses, and they're usually a formality. If they start boycotting, you're talking about giving up money, like real money in some cases. Hundreds of thousands, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, that's a lot of money. You start getting fined that much money, and that that's when you know holdouts end. That's when contract negotiations speed up. That's a lot of money for these teams to be willing, to these players to be willing to give up. I, you know, we'll see if it happens in Green Bay. Um, but you know, look, you want you want them in there. You want this. You want them to get this figured out if you can. And you know, if that means some sort of you know group vaccination effort or whatever it is, um, a return to normalcy is better for everyone, not just in the NFL, but but for all of us. We're gonna be back tomorrow. Uh, we've got Trevor Sikama coming up on Thursday, uh, an interview I'm excited for. He does great work, locked on NFL draft, and. Um, over at the Draft Network, everything there. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.